KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzay Torah. This is Thursday, and this is Ezra Beck, and we have another session in the series called Agadot Bereshit. Last week, two weeks ago, we, we dealt with two medrashim uh, about the creation of man, two medrashim which, which defined or described the disagreement, the opposition, the opposition of angels, of basically it turned out to be attributes of God. Midat uh, Hadin or Ha'emet or Hashalom who who opposed the creation of man and the way God handled that opposition. In both cases we saw that he didn't uh, argue, he didn't uh, overcome their arguments with greater, more logical arguments. He found different ways to ignore them and we discussed what that kind of ignoring or or uh, simply setting them aside uh, meant two different two different versions. Today, uh, we're going to leave aside the opposition to man, and we're going to deal with a different question, a very famous question referred to already by Rashi uh, on his commentary on the pasuk of the creation of man. Vayomer Elokim Adam The pasuk is in plural. Let us make a man in our image and our Muteno, uh, in our likeness, and of course the lashon uh, rabim, the plural form form of the pasuk of the of the verb, uh, is problematic for Jewish theology, since God is one, and not uh, and not many. And so the medrash states, parsha chet, medrash chet, Rabbi Shmuel. Bar Nachman Bishem Rabbi Yonatan Amar. Bisha'a, Shaya Moshe Kotev et Hatora, Haya Kotev Maaseh Kol Yom Viyom. Presents the question we're going to ask is a question which Moshe Rabbeinu asked God. When Moshe Rabbeinu was sitting and writing the Torah, so he was writing day by day. Kevad Shigir the Pasukazeh. When he came to our Pasuk, Shinemar, Vayomar Elokim Naaseh Adam Bitsalmenu Kidmutenu. Amal Lefanav, Moshe said to God, Ribon Olam, Ma Atanotein Pitchon Pe Laminim, Atma. Moshe complained to God, Why? You have an explanation for this Pasuk. There's always an explanation, but why are you giving a Pitchon Pe? Why are you giving an opening for the heretics? Because by writing a plural verb, let us make man, you're indicating or at least inviting the heretics and idolaters to say that the Torah supports polytheism a multiplicity of gods who together decided to make uh, to make man so God said to him no problem okay he said to him he who wants to find a place to make a mistake he who wishes to distort the true meaning of the Pasuk will be able to do it and that's not my problem. In other words, God denies responsibility for those who will misinterpret Torah. This is an important principle in and of itself. Aside from we're going to discuss now what the meaning of this particular Pasuk is, but at least this statement, and there are in fact uh, opposing statements in, in Chazal, but this statement at least says that it's impossible to ensure that one who wishes to distort or misunderstand the Torah won't be able to do so. And therefore, we, or rather God, is under no obligation to, in fact, prevent that. 
In other words, your um, your your attitude, your preformed views of Torah will heavily affect the way in which you interpret it. If you approach Torah with a heretical approach, you'll find plenty of support. If you approach Torah with the approach of emunah, of faith, then it'll, it'll support that. Okay, but let's, let's really get to the point of this particular Midrash. What's, in fact, this particular Pasuk coming to say? The previous Midrash, which I skipped, Midrash Zayin, had already interpreted the Na'asa Adam as indicating consultation. God said, to whom? God said to others, let us make man. And it interprets the Pasuk, meaning that God consulted with others. With whom did he consult? So the previous Midrash had said, interesting statement, that God God consulted with the souls of the tzaddikim, who you would assume weren't created yet. But okay, so this Midrash shows the souls existed, they haven't been put into bodies, into anybody, to the body of Adam. And God consulted with the souls of the tzaddikim. This is a statement which I don't wish to talk about today. It's an example of a statement which appears in several different versions in Chazal, that the tzaddikim create. Or the tzaddikim are responsible for what goes on in the world. And here, rather extreme form, they create. Man is created at least in consultation, not by the power of the tzaddikim, the powers of God, but na'asa adam, you and I together will make man. And who is the you who is making man? The tzaddikim make man. Obviously, it's a paradoxical statement since tzaddikim are man. They don't create themselves. Uh, what the Midrash apparently means is that the existence of, of, of good human beings, of perfect human beings, of it, admirable human beings, is a cause of the creation of man. Going back to what we said last week, creation of man is very problematic. Evil exists because man exists. And what justifies it, what causes it to actually take place, is the souls of the righteous. Okay? But I just mentioned that in order to continue what we're saying now. Our Midrash assumes that the answer to the question why it says Na'aseh is consultation doesn't get involved with whom, but makes another point. Moshe. Then God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, after telling him, it's not my problem, I can't prevent people from distorting the meaning of the Torah. But now he says, but why did I write it in any event? I'll tell you why. Moshe. Man, who I am now creating, is it not true, Moshe, that man will not be uniform? Midrash doesn't explain why. But God assumes that the answer is positive. Moshe, this man, will not there be gdolim viktanim, will not there be greater and less great men who will come from him? And then, and then, if the greater man, the more important man, will come to ask permission for something from he who is inferior to him, he'll say to himself, he'll refuse to do it. In other words, if, if the more important man is, is required 
somehow to ask permission to do something from someone who is less important or less, perhaps even less uh, valuable, truly lesser, truly inferior to him, he won't do it because he says, I, a great man, do I need to request permission? To request the concurrence of someone who is inferior to me, Vehain Omrimlo, and they, who's this they? I don't know. And they, the world, will say to him, Lemod mi bor acha. Learn from your Creator. Shubara et ha'elionim betatachtonim. He created everything, both upper and lower, the angels and the denizens of the earth. When he came to create man, he nonetheless consulted. He asked permission, or he asked for the concurrence and the input of of the angels. Okay, that's the Midrash. The Midrash says that God deliberately wrote and, and did, he, he performed a consultation with the angels before creating man in order to teach us a lesson. That the greater should consult with the inferior. The superior should consult with the inferior. And this lesson is very important because specifically now, when God is creating man, in the human world, it's going to be a problem. In the natural world, the pre-human world, it's less of a problem. Perhaps the Vedic thinks that basically all uh, individuals in a given species are basically the same. They're basically equal. And even if different species, there's not really a difference of greater and inferior. But in the man's world, there it's a basic problem. Man is, as part of man's greatness, part of man's individuality, there also are real differences between people. Sometimes in the modern world, in the Western democratic world, you will occasionally hear the argument that all men are created equal and that all men are equal. And they're the same. And not more valuable than others. Chazal didn't really share that viewpoint. There are a number of statements in Chazal that indicate the radical equality of man as man. But nonetheless, they were the fact that in terms of value, there are differences. It could be the Midrash when it says greater and lesser simply means uh, more powerful. But I suspect very strongly that the Midrash means it metaphysically, means it in reality. There are great people, gdolim v'ketanim. There are great people and there are less great people. All men are created in the image of God, but, but some people use it more. And therefore, there are individuals who don't really have more money or more strength but they, 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 they are really on a higher level than other people. Not because they were created that way, but because they, they made themselves that way. They accomplished more. And we respect that accomplishment. And therefore, in fact, it's endemic in human society. All people are different. I think the reason is, if I may explain it, that since man was created not in the image of man, but in the image of God, it means that basically man is nothing. He's, he's, he's only approaching God. A dog is a dog and all dogs are the same. But man, what is he? he? He's the image of God. So what man is, is how much has he made himself like God? And therefore every human being is in fact different. 
Some have come closer to God and some have come less close to God. Some have made themselves more like God and some have, made them, have not made themselves like God. And therefore, human inequality, basic inequality, I don't have to ask you because you are not my equal. It's not, a, it's not a technical question. It's a question, who are you to tell me what to do? You are not my equal. That's an endemic problem and a justifiably endemic problem in human society because in fact we're not equal. But nonetheless, the Midrash teaches it's not correct. The fact that someone is inferior to me does not mean, if that could be, the fact that someone is apparently inferior to me does not mean that I may trample his wishes and ignore his rights. The inferior do not belong and are not subject to the superior merely because of their superiority. To give an example, in the example, I'm not imposing on Chazal, but let's say you think that intelligence is a measure of human quality. So the stupid are not subject to the intelligent, even though the intelligent are more important. Their rights are not compromised because they are, to use the word that's used here, inferior, katan. They are lesser, but their rights are not compromised. Because in fact, they are equal in the basic rights. And the fact that you've accomplished more is worthy of admiration. But doesn't subject the others to you. God may, may reward you, if that's the way to measure it. But other human beings are not subject to you. They're not inferior in the sense of belonging to you. They don't become your slaves. And we learn that from a radical case, which I assume was unofficial. Because in fact, the angels do belong to God. And God can trample their rights if they have any. But God wishes to show that even though the relative value of God to everything He's created is, is immensely greater, in fact, infinitely greater, immeasurably greater, because He created everything, nonetheless, morally, God accepts that if he does something now which perhaps will affect everybody, affect the whole world, so the whole world, very much so, because the creation of man will affect the whole world, so he should consult. The word is consult, but I suspect very strongly, given the cases we saw beforehand, where God didn't merely consult the angels, he, he, he basically asked them for permission. Which is also the story given about human beings, litol reshut. And the stories we saw last week and two weeks ago where God was basically had a veto and gave veto power to the angels in the creation of man. Of course, then he managed to work around it, but, but the Medrash indicates that Midat Adin Me'akev does not allow. And he also, it says, the Great One will come to ask permission from the lesser one and he won't want to do it because this man is inferior to me. So, God doesn't actually need permission. Here the Medrash switches words because it wants, wishes to be accurate. God doesn't need permission from the angels, but it's the same thing. Who nimlach? He consults with them, acting as though he wanted their permission, because the superior should ask permission and should ask consultation and should be considerate of the rights of those who are truly inferior. Again, I emphasize the word truly because you should say you could say that. Of course, you have to ask permission because you're not any more important than they are. We're all equal. 
But the rest says, no, 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 we're not equal, but you still have to ask the mission. They still have their rights. The fact that they are inferior in some truly measurable manner and truly, uh, uh, and truly valid manner. Intelligence, religious, uh, spiritual value, greatness of personality, greatness of goodness. Yes, there are great individuals. Sadiqim, Gdolim, we say. And there are lesser individuals. It's really true. Hazal are not egalitarians in the sense of saying that all people are the same. But that doesn't compromise their rights. And that's an interesting uh, 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 point of view because in the ancient world, undoubtedly, those individuals who were defined as great saw the lesser individuals as being subject to them, as being their serfs and their slaves. The great ones dominated the world. As the Pasuk in Beishit later on indicates, excuse me, and the Medrashim, they try to explain what the Pasuk is talking about. Great individuals in one way or another came and, and, and trampled on the rights of others and took women as they saw fit and, and became the, the owners, the feudal owners of the world. And to combat that ancient opinion, the most efficient and effective combatant to that, uh, to that opinion and to the immorality that ensured from it was radical egalitarianism. All men are created equal. They endowed with certain inalienable rights, equal inalienable rights. And that was the clarion call against tyranny of the uh, 17th and 18th century, as exhibited in the American Declaration of Independence and other, other sources. And I think this much was saying something somewhat different. Saying you don't have to erase the true differences between men. It's important to recognize that if you if you don't accomplish, if you don't use the gift of Tzelem Elohim to become a great human being, then, then you're missing something. Then you lack value. But that the relative value of men does not create an inequality in rights. It doesn't even create an inequality in 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 in, in ignorance, in, in simply ignoring them. You have to consult with the less valuable. Because underlying the inequality, there is a shared uh, human existence and a shared responsibility for, for the world. It's a very beautiful midrash. And, and specifically, first of all, the idea, and second, specifically because it bases it on God himself. God, so to speak, humbles himself. You think it's humbling? You think it's beneath your dignity to consult with your inferiors? Learn from your Creator. Was it not beneath His dignity to consult with created beings when He is the Creator? That's the message of Rabbi Shmuel Ban Nachman. Interestingly enough, Rabbi Levi not just has a different shot, he denies it. He actually disagrees. Amar Rabbi Levi, let hacha malcho. Rabbi Levi said, there is no consultation here. Aset Adam Mitzamehlu does not indicate consultation. God did not consult with the angels. And all the Mephashim explained that the reason is because, and I, I think they're right, because Rabbi Levi objected to the idea. What do you mean God consulted? How could God consult? Why would God consult? As, as the Perush that's called Rashi, written by Rashi, but the Perush that Rashi 
brings in. It's not, uh, I'm sorry, it's not a Mashiach, I made a mistake. One of the other commentaries in, in my, in my Metra says, it, it, it's not proper for the king, Melech Machem Lachim, to consult with, with angels, with, with created things before, before creating the world. Okay, that doesn't say that in the Medrash, but Rav Levi, you see that he's not saying, I, I have a different shot. He's saying, no, your shot is wrong. Doesn't indicate consultation. Na, Adam, it sounds like consultation. Doesn't indicate consultation. So I don't think Rav Levi disagrees with the idea that we should consult. He just disagrees with the idea that you can impute this to God. Perhaps he thinks that we should consult because there isn't a real major difference in status between great people and lesser people. Between God and the angels, there's a real important difference and that would prevent consultation. But in any event, Rabbi Levi is... is, is yes, he, he sees the problem more. He says that if there's a real significant difference, then it is beneath one's dignity. Or it's beneath God's dignity to consult with people and... and of his angels, and that, that, that might have. He, I suspect, he'd be more sensitive to saying that. You know, maybe you, great person, don't need to consult with the the minions who surround you. How does he explain? He has a different idea, which is worthy of investigating in and of its own. Ella, what's the shot? Mashal. He, as the Medrash often does, gives a parable. Mashal Lemelech, story of a king. Shaya Mitayel Bepetach Paltin Shalom. The king went out to take a walk in the uh, entrance to his palace. I assume the entrance to the palace is a garden. It's very beautifully uh, designed. And the king is Mitayel. He's, he's taking a tiul. He's taking a little walk. He's enjoying himself in the entrance to his uh, palace. He saw a brick lying there. A spare brick or a spare stone. Doing nothing. Left over from when they were constructing. So he asked. I assume the king is walking. He has some sort of an entourage. He has advisors or, or, or princes or servants. And he said, What should we do with this brick? These words are relying on the commentators on the Mishnah. Some of them, of the of the of the entourage, said uh, we could build a bath, dimusiot, or buildings. We can make a building of this. And some said privatiot. We can make uh, uh, benches. There's no place to sit in your in your garden when you're mitayel when you're walking around. If you want to sit down, we can. In other words, they, they made different suggestions how we could improve the garden. Something's missing. The garden isn't perfect. We thought it was perfect. No, it's not. And now, they, now that I find the brick, I start thinking, I realize, oh, we can add a little bit here, make a little building here, make a little chair over here, something to make the garden more useful. Amar HaMelech, the king said, I'm not paying attention to you. Amar HaMelech, Indartin Ani Oseota. Mima Akev. King said, I'm going to make a bust of myself, as is the way of kings in the ancient world, that they like to make statues of themselves and put them in public places. 
Look, let's not criticize. I mean, maybe we live in a different uh, world, and maybe we don't. But that, that, that's not a problem there. Like, this is what the ancient world does, right? Kings have statues of themselves. So our king, in this story, has elicited advice that he ignores it. They each find ways to improve the usefulness, the utilitarian usefulness of the entrance to the king's palace. And the king says, I'm going to put up a statue of myself, a picture of myself. Mima Akev, who can stop me? Here we see that Rabbi Levi is into Mima Akev. The king doesn't have to ask permission. You disagree with me? I'm going to do it anyhow. What is the nimshal? What is the meaning of the parable? It's clear. The creation of man, it's as though when God, after the first half of the sixth day, he basically had finished creating the world. And then he found some extra extra material left over, a clump of clay, the size of one human being. He said, hey, what should I do with this? So the angels scratch their heads. And they think of, well, maybe we could find something to make a little bit better. We'll make another animal. We'll make another tree. We'll, we'll make a building. We'll, we'll, we'll find something. The world is not perfect, as it turns out. And we have suggestions. And God says, the way you think the world is perfect. There's nothing missing in the world from the world's point of view. All the animals exist. All the plants exist. All the inanimate objects that are good for the world exist. I'm going to do something that's purely uh, aesthetic. I'm going to put up a picture of myself. You can't sit on it. You can't go into it. It's not a building. It's not a seat. It's not a tree. It's not an animal. It's merely reflecting who made this palace, who made this garden. If I built this palace and the palace is lichvodi, the palace reflects the glory of God, then my picture should appear here. Man, according to this Midrash, according to Rabbi Levi, is the image of God. It's the same pasuk. Naseh Adam. He's come to explain why it says Naseh. He's explaining there was this conversation. It wasn't a consultation. He elicited their responses but then ignored them. It wasn't a real consultation. But Naseh Adam betzalmeinu kidmuteinu. God says, Nase Adam, and they say, okay, it's the A, B, C, D. He says, no, 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 no. We're going to do with Salmeinu Kidmutina. So, Rav Levi has a number of things to tell us. One is, he really opposed the previous opinion. There's no true consultation being taken place. Two, he says, that man does not finish the creation of the world. The world the purpose of God in making the world is accomplished when the world is made before man is created. Man is the seal of the world in the sense that it's like the signature of the artist on the picture. The purpose of the world is to reflect the glory of God. The purpose of the world is that something should exist that's not God, but that should that should show that God is great. Now, I, I was reading the commentary of Zev Wolf here, and, and he says, well, the problem with that is that it's not going to be a good image. It's not going to really look like God. Uh, uh, God. God is too great to be to be caught in this image that's called man. And that's why perhaps angels think it's ridiculous. But God says, no, I want it anyhow. It's an interesting suggestion. It's not hinted at in the Midrash. It doesn't say what's wrong with it. It just says, Mimake, who's going to stop me? There's a reason to stop God. That's why he gives the reason. But I, but I, I think he has a good idea. And maybe, maybe something a little bit different. The point is that the whole idea of having an image of God might appear to someone, to the angels, perhaps to be silly. 
Make a better God and make a better palace, yes. But if it's finished, then what's the point? And maybe they didn't realize what the purpose of the world was. They thought the world was something to, that God needed, or that we need, or that someone needs. It's, it's utilitarian. So make, a, make another seat, make another house, make another building. You can use it. We can find good use of it. God says, the purpose of the world isn't that I'm going to use it. The purpose of the world is to reflect the glory of God in something else. And therefore what's missing is the glory of God. And he's expressing an opinion as to what Salem Elohim means. Man, the difference between man and the animals isn't that he's, he has this extra feature. He's got a thumb. Famous theory about why man is superior to animals. He has a, a, he has a thumb. He can hold things. He has a little more intelligence. He can, he's upright. Man doesn't add another feature to the world. What man adds is Tzalem Elohim. And if I'm right, Tzalem Elohim is not itself a feature. It's not itself an attribute. It's the ability to, to become closer to God. It's almost a lack. It's because you don't have a given, a given uh, uh, nature, a given personality. That's why you can become like God. And the reason why man should become like God is that God should be in the world. So that's why it says, Na'aseh Adam Kitzalmenu Kinutainu. The Na'aseh, according to Ablevi, is negative. Uh, he, he appealed to them in order to hear ridiculous opinions. He said to them, Na'aseh Adam, let's make something new. And they give him opinions about how to improve the world. And God's not interested in improving the world. There's nothing to improve anymore. He wanted to show that there's nothing more to improve. Na'aseh Adam Kitzalmenu Kinutainu means, I'm turning to you basically to get a confirmation of the fact that the world is finished. Nasadam, you say A, B, C, D, and I'll show you that's nah, that's silly. That's why it's a Nasadam. The world is finished. What's missing in the world is my stamp in the world. And man is not another feature in the world, another higher animal in the world. He's not the last act of making a good world. He's the signature that the artist writes when he's finished the picture. So that the picture should be his. God writes his name on the world, the way the king places his bust, the statue of the king in the, in the marketplace, so that they should know that this marketplace is the king's marketplace. God writes his signature on the fabric, on the, on the canvas of this creation by creating man in the image of God, so that man, when he lives according to the image of God, should declare the world, the creation, the thing that is not God, the thing that is merely creation, he should declare it to be the image of God, the glory of God, the greatness of the actions of God. So we've seen two different Medrashim here, both tied together, technically arguing as to whether or not Na'asa Adam means God genuinely consulted or did not genuinely consult. But in terms of the details, two very, very different ideas. One concerning the equality and the inequality of the rights of man. And the other concerning the purpose of man in the world and man's relationship to the world. And that's all for today. I want to wish you all a happy Purim, which is tomorrow. Hopefully you have heard this before Purim while you're still sober and able to understand. 
We'll be back next week with more from Agadot Parishit. Purim Sameach, Shabbat Shalom. This has been, you've been listening to KMTT, Kimitzion, Tetzei Torah, Udavar Hashem Yerushalayim, the Torah podcast, broadcasting from Yeshivat Haritzion here in Alon Shvut. This has been Ezra Bek. Kol Tov Ulehishtamea, Veshavu Abba.